Welcome back to the Cordell Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. Week 39, COVID-19. We want to continue to bring you information before, during, and after divorce for guys that are dealing with family law issues during this pandemic. And once we clear through it, we're going to continue to do this twice each week, as we have been uh, for the last 39 plus weeks. We also have the virtual town hall. I want you to check that out as it's upcoming. Uh, you can go to cordellcordell.com to find out when the next one is. That gives you an opportunity to log into Zoom just like this, or if you're listening, you can listen to the virtual town hall as well. Uh, you can ask questions live and get answers from the Cordell and Cordell panel of attorneys. Also offering consults. Uh, you can do it virtually, telephone, just like this, or in person where appropriate and where allowed by local and state laws. You can call us at 866-DADS-LAW. 866-DADS-LAW, schedule that consultation. Uh, so, you know, always we mentioned that this shouldn't be a substitute for legal advice, as you know, uh, one of those issues which require uh, just a brief consultation, maybe an exhaustive one, something I think is the best investment. I've said this for quite some time, uh, but this is meant to really guide you into that direction to give you some tips and ideas and some uh, talking points with an attorney who practices exclusively in family law. So today, joined by Adam in our Marietta office in Georgia. Welcome. Thank you, Scott. Glad to be here. Yeah, so, you know, we're talking about a topic today that uh, interests quite a few people, and that is um, one that I have a lot of experience in, both when I was practicing in Georgia, here in Missouri. Uh, we have a lot of small towns, a lot of rural towns around the, the major cities. And our, my practice, gosh, 26 years ago, 27 almost, um, I would travel to very, very small towns. And I know guys, that may be a hesitation. They may want to know what the difference is. Um, and I think maybe to start there is why does it matter us talking about the difference of big town, little town, medium town? What's the difference and why should we talk about it? Well, sure. And I'm surprised there's not more talk of it. I mean, if you do any, if, if you're looking at a divorce and you're doing research online or something, you'll find lots of, you know, this is about the judge. This is procedure. You don't really find much about this issue. And you're right. We talk about it a lot with our clients because, mm -hmm. Here's why it's really important is that in, I know, keep in mind, every state is different, every judge is different, but you know, that's kind of the point. In family law, it really comes down to your judges. What are your judges' preferences? Um, for example, here in Georgia, custody is determined based on the best interest of a child. Based on what? Well, you can look up the statute and look at the factors, but it's a non-exclusive list, which means the judge can consider custody based on just about whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, how are assets divided? Well, they're divided fairly. What's fair? Whatever the world in the world the judge thinks is fair. So when you're dealing with that, you do notice patterns with judges and you notice mm -hmm. patterns in different courts. And you notice patterns when it comes to, you know, big city courts, you know, in Georgia, we focus on Atlanta and the Atlanta suburbs, but you see differences there than you do when you go into South Georgia, you go north up into the mountains and you see a distinct pattern there. And you need to, what, what, what the reason it matters is you prepare differently. You, um, you prepare your clients differently. And there's, um, there's a lot of things that you, you just, you need to know. And, and a common question I, I get from clients who let's say they live in Atlanta, but we're in a case up in the North mountain, uh, rural mountains is, you know, is there a home field advantage? You know, am I going to get home cooked if I go up there? That right. is the most common question I get from clients facing this. And um, 
it's real, but it's mm -hmm. real in a different way than a lot of clients think. It's not yeah. so much there's back rooms with the judge and the other attorney smoking, smoking cigars and saying, you know, how are we going to get that out of that out of town guy? It's not really that. It's so yeah. much, it, it's much more that these judges and these circuits, they have their own way of doing things. Yep. They expect you to know that and they expect you to acclimate to that. And if you don't, it absolutely gives a home field advantage to the other side. So that's, that's why this is really important. And that's kind of a good transition to, you know, you know, people say, well, you know, what can I do? Do I just need to get a local lawyer? Well, that doesn't guarantee you anything. And then right. you lose the support of having a, you know, such a strong firm like Cordell and Cordell. If you do that, the biggest thing you need to know is know the differences and be able to adapt to them. Yeah, you know, I, I was gonna say, I told this story and I tell it all the time. And you probably, I don't know if you've heard it. It's when I was practicing in Georgia and I, uh, many years ago, in the, and it was in a small town, and uh, during a very a temporary hearing, and there was an objection made by the other side, and he said, you know, objection, Yana, that dog won't hunt. Now, <laughs> let me tell you, that is not an objection made in the city, and uh, and, and I, I thought to myself, I am going to be home cooked, but it was about, as the case progressed, me learning about what happens and what the judge likes to do, and, they, and of course, that meant something to the judge. It didn't mean anything to me because I was unaware of it at the time. But it is about adapting. And once you conform and understand what they like to do and the procedures they want to take and, you know, the, maybe the informality, you know, of certain things, which is fine. And, you know, that is not a rule of evidence, but it is an informal objection that the judge knew what he meant. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tell that story because at the end it turned out okay because we won. But it was a process. And um, I agree with you. I think it, it doesn't mean that you go hire a local that doesn't necessarily mean anything right. unless you as for for example you or I would be resistant to understanding who your trier of fact is it's like a jury trial you want to know your jurors so might as well know the process of the judge might as well know what the clerk is get to know the clerk the clerk knows you those relationships mm -hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit but what what really is the same maybe that's the thing ignore the differences of population and formalities and and maybe perhaps even a drawl that may be a little different right but what is the same in between city and county well the biggest the biggest thing that is the same is i know you're going to say well this is common sense but maybe you know i, I tell my clients all the time unless you've gone through this you don't know so it's okay mm -hmm. to ask a question and what's the same as the statutes um, family law, despite it so much discretion being given to judges, it is very statute based. So the actual statutes that govern what is a marital asset, what is a separate asset, or um, you know what are the factors a judge can consider in custody. Um, in Georgia, we've got a certain age when a child can choose who he want he or she wants to live with. That is statute based. That doesn't change, and even you know, it can be the most rural, I'm going to do whatever I want judge, but that judge is still a lawyer. Mm -hmm. That judge practices within the realms of statute. So that doesn't change. Uh, to, to a different degree, per civil procedure doesn't change. Right. So there's always going to be, you're filing a complaint to open your divorce. There's going to be a service requirement. There's going to be 30 days for the other side to answer. There's going to be certain requirements when you engage in discovery, how lawyers share information and get documents. That doesn't change no matter where you are. Um, 
Local rules, that's always an interesting one. That's, you know, where where they are different, right? And that's yes. kind of a key to understand as you think procedure, maybe there's just a different way of doing things like exhibits, <clears throat> exchanging information, knowing that, that's the key here, right? That it really is. Because even, even with the local rules, a lot of these small courts, even their local rules are discretionary. So you've got to know what your judges are. I mean, here in Georgia, we've got the Uniform Superior Court rules that basically all our courts are recommended to mm -hmm. follow this procedure. Well, that that really doesn't happen in the rural courts. Um, they kind of do their own thing. Right. And when you think about it, it makes sense because if you think of the big city courts like Atlanta, um, they are processing a huge volume of cases. I mean, just huge amounts of parties are going in front of them. They have to be by the rules. They have to be hard line on procedure. You know, this, this is, you need a court date. You talk to this person who's available on this date. You send this specific form. You do it this way um, because they've got to move cases through their system orderly. When you deal with the rural counties, they're busy, but they're at a different degree of busy. So that kind of bleeds over into the procedure. Um, it may be as simple to get a court date. You just call up the judge. Um, we've had counties do that. Say, hey, judge, um, when's your next availability? I've got a court date. You yeah. would never do that in a big city court. In fact, right. you would get chastised for that. Yeah. Um, you just, you can't do that. That's, that's the biggest, um, I, I think that's a pretty good contrast. And in a way, it kind of feels like the more urban courts are more strict. But I do think that's because they have to be, because they just yeah. have to move those volumes. Um, you, you don't really see that in the rural court. And this bleeds into some of the things I think you brought up. Um, you know, you talked about dealing with court staff, um, completely different. Um, getting court dates, completely different. Dealing with the judge, completely different. Um, also, how it's expected that a lawyer, lawyer should speak to each other. Mm -hmm. That is just, I think it's fascinating how different it is. I mean, you go into a, 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 a more a court in a city, you know, you're expected to speak to each other a certain way, you know, in a way it can be a bit more combative. Um, in the rural courts, it's more of, hey, let's talk about this because, yeah, you've got that motion. Yeah, you've got that issue, but let's talk about it um, as opposed to this is what I want. Let's, you know, accept it or let's fight. It's in rural courts, it's more of a conversation. Everything is more of a conversation. And it's not that it's done poorly, it's just different. Yeah. So I think I like to tell clients that it's um, procedure is relaxed. That doesn't mean it's less serious. It's just different on how they do things. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. So I agree, you know, my experience is that, you know, whether you're in chambers, 
the you know judge invites me back without the opposing counsel or waiting on it's just certain things wouldn't happen as long as you understand you know judge lighting up a cigar and we're just chit-chatting and you, those things may not happen in a, in a big city court and just knowing it that is the key and 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 albeit you know, may be a big city lawyer but if you can change the way you operate uh, that you get respect and, right. and you know you honor their rules you honor their processes and you don't try to change them and, and, you know, like evidence, I was in a small county in Missouri where the judge said, look, we don't, I've watched him do this as another big city lawyer. He said, we don't really object on hearsay. You know, I, I get it. You know, that's just their, their policy. They try to a little bit relaxed. Everything's taken with the case. And as long as you adapt, I think that that becomes easier. And that maybe leads into the question of, in some counties here in Missouri, judges will give different weight. Well, I know, for example, there's a judge up about 45 miles north, northwest of St. Louis. They will not deviate in custody from what I'll call a standard schedule. They just won't. And so do you see that uh, in counties where you just have to understand kind of what, as you said, know your judge, know what they like to do, know their patterns? Yeah, you, you do really see that. Um, there is a judge, um, not quite in the mountains, but I would probably call it rural. He actually just retired. And he did the same thing. His policy was standard. His mm -hmm. policy was very anti-50-50. In fact, mm -hmm. he, would, he would reject settlements if the wow. settlement included 50-50. And, and I tell the story about this judge a lot just to tell, help clients prepare. Um, you, you'd send a full-blown settlement to him and he would reject it because he says 50-50 is not good for kids. I'd have to tell clients, look, we have a better shot of getting primary custody than getting 50 yep. 50 and yep. that's just something you you just that's something you get to know your judges and i, I think th this matters for clients too i know we're talking about a lot about you know we don't expect clients to get to know the judges but it's you need to have these conversations with your attorney and for the attorneys it's okay not to know you just have to find out and i think that's the key thing one thing i actually like about rural courts is Every, a lot of people, they will bend over backwards to the point of breaking to help you. Yeah. Um, I actually learned that years ago before practicing law. Um, I was a paralegal for years. And the attorney I worked for, who I, I love to death, I give her credit for teaching me family law, but she would leave me notes to say, go to the courthouse and do this. Uh, okay. Um, so what I would do is I would talk to the clerk or talk to the judge's assistant and basically say, hey, I'm a paralegal for so-and-so. I don't know how to do this. Can you please help me? And I would get the usual, bless your heart, yeah, right. um, which is a very Southern thing. Mm -hmm. And then they would basically show me what to do. Um, I, that that kind of work, that works for lawyers too. Um, hey, I'm representing so-and-so. I'm before Judge Smith. I've never been before Judge Smith before. Can you tell me a little bit about, a little bit about his preferences? Yeah. That is almost standard operating procedure for me. Yeah, and yeah. They, they can be your best that, friend, no doubt. Yeah, and they love to help. Um, and it's not that the city courts don't want to help. It just goes back to that volume again. They just don't have the time to do that. And you got to take advantage of that if you're in the rural courts. And also, there's nothing wrong with also talking to other attorneys. I've done that. Um, attorneys, I know we're in a very combative environment. You know, we fight with the other side tooth and nail for our clients, which is the way it's supposed to be. But mm -hmm. we're also a very much a helping profession, even with each other. 
it's not uncommon for me to get a call from um, from a fellow attorney says, hey, you do a lot of work in Marietta, where our office is, right? What do you know about Judge so-and-so? How does Judge so-and-so like to do things? Very common. Um, you you got to take advantage of that. And as clients, it's okay to ask. And if your attorney says, well, I don't know Judge so-and-so, say, well, you know, is, is there a way you can find out? Is there is yep. there a way you can, you know, it's okay to prod a little if you need to. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing that, that I like about the rural counties, but it is mm -hmm. different. And yeah. um, that, that gives you a bit of introduction on the differences, not just in procedure, mm -hmm. but um, I guess we could even say, you know, the small things you mentioned about, you know, that dog won't hunt. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is remarkable how different rural judges treat objections just in yeah. general. Um, you want to make a judge angry? object too many times right and, no doubt and i know that's counterintuitive for clients because they see objections as fighting right. and and i get it the rules of evidence are there for a reason i'm a big hearsay guy and i know that's mm -hmm. I, I it's there for a reason the rules are there for a reason there's reasons that lawyers spend so much time in law school learning the rules mm -hmm. they matter but to a judge a judge just wants his information that he or she needs and wants to move on yeah. and the rural judges they figure well I can figure out what's relevant or not you don't have to tell me that I can figure out if it's hearsay or not don't tell me that in a sense I think rural judges think objections are talking down to the judge mm -hmm. which is absolutely not but that's right. the impression I get and usually here's kind of just how I, I, I'll preface things with objection is I'll let something slide once or twice and then say well Judge, you know, I'm trying to be considerate at the time on the objections, but this is the third time the um, so-and-so is engaged in hearsay. Yeah. It's a little bit softer. And I know that's style over substance, but that's really what a lot of this is. That's really yeah. what we're talking about a lot, um, especially with judges who hold so much power in family law. I know yeah. in family law, at least some states, you can have jury trials. Here in Georgia, we can have jury trials, but they're rare. And oh, by the way, that's another way you want to tick off a um, a a judge in a rural area. Ask for <laughs> right. They don't like them. No, they hate it. I mean, I, I tell you, when I first started practicing in Georgia, there was no automatic right to appeal, and it was only by application. And if the Supreme Court would take it, thankfully, it's changed, and that was this enormous power in these small cities and small counties. But I get it. I actually tend to prefer it. I think it is a, a little bit more collegial. You can still get your job done on behalf of your client. And I think as we kind of wrap it up, the point is, is that I don't think lawyers or clients should fear uh, what will happen so long as you become informed and you do your homework. I mean, I, I would go sit, I've done it before. I'll go on a docket day or on a trial, I'll go sit and watch the judge just so I get an understanding of kind of what their, their habits are, what they like before my case is coming up in a couple of months. So I, I do, I just think that we should be, and I think you agree that clients shouldn't fear uh, trying their case um, just on the basis purely and simply on that it's a smaller community, right? Right, and, and, I, don't, and I don't want this to come across as saying, well, the, the judge is king, you can't fight in a, in a rural court. That's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. I know that's not what Scott's saying either. Mm -hmm. You just have to fight differently. And a yeah. good example of that, if you're in front of a judge who, let's just say, is just biased, he, he does, he, he, on the issue of custody, moms get primary custody, no ifs, ands, or buts. Well, you need to be aware of that, and then you have to be aware of what tools are available to you. You know, mm -hmm. does your jurisdiction allow for experts like guardian ad litems? 
uh, yeah. which is an expert that makes a recommendation to a judge. If so, you get someone local who is who knows the judge, who's worked with that judge before, but is more open-minded when it comes to custody issues. And it's one thing for me to get in front of a judge, and you know, I've got a little bit of a southern draw. I, it, mm -hmm. it comes out a little in these rural Just counties, a little, but right. even then, sometimes the lawyers are the outsiders. It's different to have an expert come in and say, "Hey, judge, good to see you. I saw you last Tuesday at such and such. Listen, mm -hmm. here's what's going on with this case. This isn't typical. Really, dad should have primary custody." Um, and, in that, you got to. Part of it is picking your battles, and part of it is just knowing how to make that fight. Um, in family law in general, it, it's a lot of what we do is storytelling anyway, not in a negative way. It's just, here's the story of my client. Here's the story of these kids. Here's their life. Here's how we've gotten here. And just think, if you're telling a story to anybody, you tailor it to your audience. That's really yeah. what we're talking about here is you just, you know your audience, you know your differences with your judges, and you know how to frame that story in a way where you get the results that you want. That's, that's really what we're talking about. And it's very much. And I put on airs. I don't mean right. fake an accent. Right. Um, one of my favorite go-to examples of this is my cousin, Vinny, the perfect totally. movie for this. Um, Vinny didn't put on a fake accent. He didn't do that. <laughs> he, he, he stayed true to himself. But he spoke in a, he spoke about subjects that were relevant when it came to discussing the passage of time. He didn't get technical. He talked right. about how long it took to make grits. Right. That's what we're talking about, and um, and that that's that's and it it matters to clients too. A good example is I tell clients, you know, dress differently. I don't want you to totally. go, I don't I don't want you to go to a rural court wearing a three piece suit that right. looks nicer than mine. Right. <laughs> you just yeah. you don't want to look like you're made for money or that you're the foreigner in their little circle. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean you fake it and show up in overalls. That just means you dress essentially for the occasion. Exactly. Um, it's like even I twenty years ago I would go to these counties and I had to make sure what I drove in on. Right. I had to drive in, in an American made car. Period. They, they, I'm telling me they're watching you pull up, and what you roll up in matters, and everything does. And so you just have to adjust. And I still do it that way. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going into a small town of a thousand people, you know, unless it's American-made car. I, that just mean I know the judges. It's been that way 20 years ago. They still matters to the small towns, and like you said, and dress. I think that's hugely important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Adam, I know we're out of time, but this is we could probably talk for another hour on it because right. of our experiences in these these communities. And I I still love going down to them. I, I there is a, some aspect of it. I, I litigate and argue with the best, but you know, in in some respects, the reason they relax is they're just trying to get to make the best decision. That's it. Cut through all the BS. Cut through some of the storytelling, which we do cut through the legal objections and find out what really matters. And mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of the, the way to, to conclude it and, and, and not be fearful of it. Just have a conversation. You may be listening and you're in that small town. It's time to have a conversation with your lawyer to make sure that, that you're doing the right thing. So Adam, great stuff today. Thanks for joining and, and kind of enlightening guys who uh, face this very same thing. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Is, um, love to be here. Love to spend the time doing this, talking about things like this um, and, and reaching out to mm -hmm you know, our audience. Yeah. Love it. Anytime. Absolutely. Great. Well, continue to tune in for stuff just like this. This is good, you know, material where, you know, these are the issues we're spotting them and, and we're bringing them to you. Continue to tune in twice each week mm -hmm. for these podcasts. We'll continue to do these 
with or without COVID-19 as we continue to move forward to bring information to guys. If you have questions, you want to meet with Adam, you can give him a call, 866-DADS-LAW. You can go online, find out more information uh, at Cordell, cordell.com, follow us on social media, and more importantly, check out our YouTube channel where we've got a lot of material just like this. Uh, and you're going to find out some great tips and some great information and educate yourself. So until next time, have a great week.